How do you best navigate atrial fibrillation, also known as AFib? In this episode, we take a closer look into the intricate workings of AFib, what it is, and explore its causes, symptoms, and potential complications. Here to cover it all is Heidi Cheney, Doctor of Nursing Practice in the Jefferson Healthcare Cardiology Clinic. This is To Your Health, a podcast from Jefferson Healthcare. I'm Cheryl Martin. Heidi, so glad you're here to help us navigate the world of AFib. Thank you for having me again, Cheryl. Now, what exactly is atrial fibrillation and is it serious? Well, atrial fibrillation, as you pointed out, is commonly called AFib. It's a type of abnormal heart rhythm where the heart begins to beat irregularly and it often beats faster than normal. In the clinic, I'm able to draw a picture for patients because it seems to better explain what's going on in the heart. I obviously can't do that in a podcast, but I can have you picture in your mind a two-story house with two rooms on the bottom floor and two rooms on the top floor. These four rooms represent the four chambers of the heart, two atria on the top and two ventricles on the bottom. A person running from the top floor to the bottom floor represents normal electrical activity in the heart. So electricity starts in the upper part of the heart or the atria and travels to the bottom part of the heart or the ventricle. This electricity then stimulates the muscle, which causes the muscle to contract and the heart to squeeze. And this is the heartbeat that you feel when you're checking your own pulse. Now, if you can picture multiple people running around chaotically, bumping into one another before making their way to the bottom floor in a very rapid and irregular pattern. This represents the electricity in atrial fibrillation. All of the people are trying to get to the bottom, which makes it a less effective and poorly organized system. In other words, the heart is being told to contract over and over again. This irregularly irregular heartbeat defines atrial fibrillation. That is a great example. So what causes AFib? Well, we don't always know the cause of AFib, which makes it very difficult to treat. The tissue of the heart can change over time. And this is a result of aging, heart disease, infection, or in some people, a genetic disease. And it leads to scarring, inflammation, stretching, or thickening of the heart wall. And when this damaged heart tissue is subjected to irregular electrical signals that come too early or too often, atrial fibrillation can begin. So how do you know if you have AFib? Well, this is where it gets a little tricky because some people with atrial fibrillation are completely unaware they have it, while others have debilitating symptoms. So how AFib presents is unique to each individual because everyone's heart is different. Symptoms can range from simply noticing that you have an irregular heartbeat to thumping in the chest to breathlessness, anxiety, dizziness, fatigue, weakness, or even chest pain. And what complicates the picture even more is that AFib can be present all of the time or only part of the time. For those individuals, episodes can occur a couple of times a year to multiple times daily. 
Sometimes we pick up atrial fibrillation when we do a routine electrocardiogram or ECG in the office. For others, the symptoms may be strong enough that it causes them to go to the emergency department. Now, an electrocardiogram or an ECG, like I mentioned before, should be done to verify AFib. But there are a lot of devices now available, including Apple and Fitbit watches or a device called a cardiomobile device, for example, that can screen for atrial fibrillation. So what do you need to know if you have AFib? Well, in atrial fibrillation, the heart muscle is quivering rather than squeezing in response to electricity. Remember all of those people running circles in the upstairs room and clamoring to get down the stairs. The electricity is coming from a different place in the heart than what is normal, and it's firing irregularly as compared to normal. The squeeze, or the muscle contraction, is what keeps blood moving through the heart. And when blood doesn't move well, clots form. And clots in the heart can easily travel to the brain where they can cause a stroke. For this reason, those who have atrial fibrillation are typically advised to start an anticoagulant, commonly called a blood thinner, to help reduce that risk of stroke. Additionally, your heart is designed to beat 60 to 90 beats a minute, except during exercise when it temporarily increases. And if the heart beats too fast for too long, it gets tired, and it doesn't function well. Now, you mentioned blood thinner. Is there anything else that can be done to treat atrial fibrillation? Sure. Atrial fibrillation can be treated, and treatment generally focuses on two areas. One is reducing the risk of stroke, as we discussed above, and then the other is slowing the heart rate. Now, I'm going to use the house analogy throughout this explanation to help you better understand the treatment options. We have two strategies we can follow to slow the heart rate. The first is to simply control the rate, and the second is to promote a normal rhythm in the heart. There are medications, beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, and digoxin that all work to simply slow the rate of the heart. So this is like blocking the number of people that can get down the stairs. But sometimes this isn't enough to relieve symptoms or we're simply unable to slow the heart rate sufficiently. Allowing the atrial fibrillation to continue and simply controlling the rate doesn't seem as glamorous as rhythm control. But in reality, people can live long and healthy lives with ongoing AFib as long as the ventricular or the bottom rate is in a comfortable range. If we can't effectively control the heart rate, we can attempt to control the rhythm rather than the rate of the heart. And this can be done with medications that can be used to chemically kind of push the heart toward a normal rhythm and make it less likely for the AFib to return. Kind of like posting a guard to only allow the regulars to go down the stairs. Also, we can convert the heart's electricity back to its normal pattern by shocking the heart. This is called a cardioversion. And this is done under IV sedation at a hospital. If all of the above measures fail to relieve symptoms, a specialist in electricity called an electrophysiologist can float a catheter up through the groin, find the problematic electricity, and cauterize or freeze the tissue 
effectively stopping that irregular rhythm. This allows a normal electrical pattern of the heart to return, and this is called an ablation. This is like closing an upstairs window so no extra people can climb in and come down the stairs. Finally, tissue between the upper and the lower part of the door can actually be disconnected, and this is effectively shutting a door between the two floors of the house. This then requires a pacemaker to allow the bottom part of the heart to receive electricity. Heidi, for a person who has been diagnosed with AFib, are there things that this person can do? Do you ever say you need to change your diet? Is that a factor at all? Yeah, anyone can get atrial fibrillation, but there are risk factors. So the risk of atrial fibrillation, number one, it increases with age, especially after the age of 65. Now, AFib is rare in children, but if someone in your family had AFib, you have a higher risk of AFib because there are genetic mutations that have been found that could raise your risk. But lifestyle can significantly affect your risk as well. Alcohol can be a trigger for atrial fibrillation. For some people, a modest amount can trigger it, but large amounts or particularly binge drinking is quite problematic. Illegal drugs such as cocaine, methamphetamine, and other illegal street drugs, they can trigger atrial fibrillation or make it worse. There are multiple studies that found smoking, including secondhand smoke, can make atrial fibrillation worse. Stress and panic disorders can increase your risk. And interestingly, in some people, endurance sports or people who physically exert themselves can lead to a higher risk of atrial fibrillation. But at the same time, moderate physical activity can have a protective effect that can lower your risk of atrial fibrillation as well as other heart diseases. Sometimes, though, atrial fibrillation happens for no obvious reason. My patients are frequently searching for something they did to cause atrial fibrillation, but the reality is they may not know. About 10% of the population over age 80 goes into atrial fibrillation simply because they're over age 80. In fact, we're seeing a higher incidence of atrial fibrillation than ever before. This is simply because we are living longer. It's projected that the number of atrial fibrillation cases will reach over 12.1 million by 2030. Heidi Cheney, this has been so informative, so helpful. Thank you for covering this topic of AFib, what it is, how to recognize it, and treat it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to book an appointment today, call the Jefferson Healthcare Cardiology Clinic at 360-344-1001. That's 360-344-1001. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels. You can check out the full podcast library for other topics of interest to you at jeffersonhealthcare.org. That's jeffersonhealthcare.org. This is To Your Health, a podcast from Jefferson Healthcare. Thanks for listening.